Sometimes I get better at singing Sometimes it feels a lot like the weekend I do my best thinking When I'm drinking Do you have other questions for me about the show, about about claim to fame, about my real life. Yes, going to claim to fame. So because I am doing a paperwork class, and I did mention that, but, um, well, to you and DMing, how do you think the show portrayed stereotypes from everybody? I mean, not that, the show's not scripted, and I appreciate that. And I feel like, I thought it was really funny that everyone did think you were a vampire. I mean, you do dress in all black. I do. my glasses a lot. Yeah, I'm one goth. I'm, I'm a goth. I mean, that's like, you know, I'm a Negro goth, but yeah, I'm a goth. So, I mean, I mean, as far as three years, I mean, I think that, I think it was hilarious. I think that the show, the vampire stuff that they did put in was hilarious. I, I, I find it, found it really entertaining. I mean, I feel like if, if people have an initial impression of me that I might be a vampire, I think that I'm doing something right uh, in terms of my, like, image presentation. Like, I think that there's, even though I'm not technically a vampire, that means you're getting something about, um, how I'm presenting myself in the world, which I think is positive in terms of style. I mean, I think that there were, there were many things about, about stereotypes uh, around like race and or region or like, you know, Southern accents and what they kind of imply. I think a lot of those things were maybe more, we even as, a, as, as sort of past mates talked about that stuff way, way more than I think ended up on the air. I mean, I think on the air was that stuff wasn't really a big issue. And it was a thing that we talked about, though, in the house, for sure. And there were, like, certain racial dynamics that were going on in the house that we talked about that didn't end up being on, on, on the air at all. And so, I mean, I think that, I mean, I, it was, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think it's exciting that I don't know if we've ever seen in reality TV show history, like, a, a Negro gothic person, you know, like a Black goth on reality TV, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the first black goth to be on reality TV or something. <laughs> Everyone's trying to be the first of something, you know, unless this is always the first trans person to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so maybe I'm the first goth person, I, I'm kind of joking. Uh, but maybe it's true, maybe I'm really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think that the main thing that's really fast, I mean, maybe this is like, not that fascinating, but I think it's the I think we, the fact that we really all like each other a lot. I think we got along really well, even though we we're competing against one another. There ended up being some backstabbing. Is is the nature of the game? This is the nature of the way things work. Alliances formed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think we genuinely, I think we all understand that, that was the game, you know. And I think that we all actually just like each other. I think we genuinely like each other across whatever those differences are. Like Logan and I got along splendidly. Uh, I think he was like afraid of me initially because. Because he and Amara, they both sort of like had this sense that I can read everyone really well. Like I had this like, I can really sort of like look at you and sort of assess things about you in ways. And I think that because everyone's sort of trying to hide their identities, I think that like at least Amara and Logan both expressed to me some sort of trepidation about me because they sort of felt like I could sort of just read them. Uh, and I mean, they're not wrong about that either. I'm, I'm actually really good at reading people. Um, not necessarily who they're related to or anything, but it's just like things about their personality and, and, and how Things they're hiding about themselves, maybe like on a more psychological and emotional level, maybe not like, although I did figure out like one of the first days I figured out that Amara was really into Whoopi Goldberg, but then she was really good at deflecting for that. So then I like abandoned that, but I like, I was like, she looks so much like Whoopi Goldberg. They do look a lot alike. A lot alike. I mean, they're like, their mouth, their smiles are like exactly the same. Um, I actually clocked that maybe the first day. Um, it's not, it's not the first day, the second day, but, um, but then she was good at deflecting from that. And then so I kind of abandoned it. That turns out I was right. Yeah, I thought everyone was really, I mean, it was fascinating. Yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a social experiment. It was like, yeah, it was actually really fascinating. Uh, all these different kinds of people. And I mean, I think the, the, the thing that for me was the most interesting is people who were born into famous families uh, and versus the people who whose, you know, relatives got famous within their lifetime, like within, you know, what, like I was already a fully formed adult when my sister got like mega famous. I was 40 years old, actually. Um, my sister got made famous, so uh, I'd already lived a full life, you know. Uh, there wasn't, like, that, that level of, like, some fame and, like, some wealth that was, like, a part of my life, you know, where um, Dominic grew up, you know, Al Sharpton's daughter, 
while Max grew up like the grandson of Chuck Norris. I mean, I think that there's a difference between, you know, in, in like um, Hi, uh, who's Tiffany's, Tiffany Haddish's uh, sister. You know, Tiffany was, you know, also got fit with things more recently. So the, the, we didn't, the, the, I think the difference between those who, of us who grew up, you know, not famous with famous relatives versus, I mean, to me, that was the most interesting kind of dynamic in terms of the differences. Um, I think there's a really different, I mean, there's a kind of, like, I mean, to me, Don, it just seems to me it's a kind of queenliness that one might have being the daughter of this, like, you know, extremely important person in in the Black community, um, civil rights and that sort of thing. I mean, I think there's a kind of, like, I mean, I think similarly, Max had a, a, some maybe levels of entitlement that only a person, you know, who grew up in a very, like, well-to-do context could happen. I mean, again, I'm talking about class. I think that, you know, growing up with money, uh, and and fame, you know, sort of in, in your family, you just are a very different kind of person than you are when you grow up differently, you know, when you grow up, you know, sort of working class or poor, and, and that happens to you, uh, or to your family, I mean, it didn't happen to me, but it happened in my family, uh, which, you know, subsequently has an effect on you, which just does. And so to me, those dynamics are the ones that are the, that are the more interesting ones. I think that, like, you know, there wasn't any, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think racial biases were, were present there. I think that like maybe acknowledgement across race was harder for some people. Some, you know, like, you know, maybe some people are bigger in like, you know, black popular culture and some people are maybe bigger in like white, you know, sort of popular culture. So I think that those kinds of things like affected the game, affected how well people would play the game. But like, I think Logan was the one who figured out who Dominic's father was. So I kind of shoot already. Like he was, but Logan is a very culturally interested in blackness he's very black adjacent <laughs> Logan like he's very like into black popular culture like intensely so so that's not surprising Logan's hilarious he's like a I mean he's I mean, just like he's a very he's a good guy like, he's a good I mean just to hang out with him and drink you know um I don't drink but um I was hanging out one night when everyone else was drinking like one late 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 night Logan was fun after get some drinks in him, it's really he's hilarious. Actually, after all, I mean, not, yeah, all of us. It's actually probably for the best that some of those drunk that drunken night, most of that didn't appear on television. It's probably best for everyone. <laughs> not me. I was totally sober, so I was fine. <laughs> oh, that was so much. So, much. so um, yeah, it was an, it was an utterly unique experience that um, I don't regret. I don't regret that I did. I I mean I can't wait for season two. I know, right? I just thought it could some kind of an ad for that. So I wonder who I wonder who they will have on season two. I think are they filming it now? They must I feel like they might be filming it right now, actually. I um, have no idea because it got greenlit for season two, I think a few weeks ago. Oh wow, so maybe they're not filming right not now. yet. They're probably looking for people. But, but yeah, like if it's gonna air in the summer, it would seem like they would need to be filming it now or start filming soon. But maybe um, but man, maybe they'll still be casting. Maybe it'll like end up airing fall. I mean, you know, or the or the winter of twenty twenty four or something. But yeah, it's curious to be a part of something that will like continue on. To be, I guess, the first cast of a of a show that's going to continue is, is is fascinating. Curious. I wonder if they'll like have any interest in having any of the first season people back for some. Yeah, and I asked Pepper that, and she said that she hoped so. She let the producers know that she wanted to come back. <laughs> Yeah, like introduce a game or something. Yeah, introducing a game or kind of like yeah, being being providing some kind of advice or guidance or something. Yeah, Pepper, I couldn't. Pepper was one. She was really. I couldn't really figure out who she was related to. I was completely off on everything I could come up with. Pepper, also total sweetheart. Um, total sweetheart. She's invited us to to her. Um, she has like property in um, Utah. She's invited us. I mean, yeah, I think actually a, a bunch of people did go hang out with her. Like around her birthday at the show, I, I was like performing or something. I couldn't go, but but yeah, lovely. Everyone's like been, it's been a very lovely post show experience. Um, yeah, um, everyone's really lovely and wonderful. So all positive things. I know. I, I feel like reality TV should have sort of thrives on like drama, but like there's not like interpersonal drama really. We all like just like each other. Well, I mean, because um, it was interesting because it's it is reality TV, but it's a game. Yeah, it's playing a game. It's not like. Big Brother is different. You're not trying to figure people out as much. This is, you're always on the hunt, trying to look for clues, even where yeah. there are clues. <laughs> yeah, there's not clues in many of the places we were, we were looking at. Um, and then there was also misdirection. I mean, I think they were really good at misdirecting 
thank the producers um, with like clues that were just like sort of nonsensical or something. Yeah, and I think the people who were best at the game too were also really good misdirecting, you know, people sort of away from, like Amara did pretty well with, after I mentioned the Wigo Rogue thing, she just was pretty good at like moving me and everyone else in different direction, so. Yeah. Um, did you, <laughs> when you felt the orange, did you feel like your game was over? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was like, why what are, Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> they really, why the fuck are they doing this to me? I'm already, I mean, she's already, my, I mean, it, honestly, it's kind of absurd that I would even be on the show, really. I mean, we're like twins, you know? I mean, I think our style is really different. Our presentations are, you know, like I'm a man, she's a woman, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think our presentation is really different, but I mean, we are, we still look, you know, a lot alike. You so, do look a lot alike, although you wear all black and she wears a lot of colors and completely yeah, yeah, she's um, you know, she's also a mainstream person. I'm like very much an alternative person. She's very much a mainstream person, uh, in terms of like the aesthetically, you know, the aesthetics of like um, that's just, that looks differently, you know, like being like a subcultural person, you know, like looks differently than being like you know a mainstream like TV star. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's a mainstream TV star, which is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I thought she also, it's also fascinating her getting as big as she did, like, you know, sort of later. I mean, we were like 40 when she went orange hit and she got, you know, was on the cover of Time magazine and we were like already four years old. So um, it's kind of like a crazy trajectory, her, like, her, um, but I mean, she's like, I mean, you know, she's ridiculously talented. I mean, I think that, um, and I do think it's a talent that, that just can't be denied. Um, I think some people just have that. Like, you know, Viola Davis is, you know, like she's always talking about being a dark skinned black woman and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, she's like unquestionably one of the greatest actors in the country's ever, we've ever seen ever anywhere. So, I mean, it's like that kind of talent just can't be. Well, and she just became an EGOT winner. She did last night, I think, right? Yeah, she did. I mean, she's just like a, it's just such a, such a universally powerful talent that she had. I mean, it's just like so unquestionably her, her connection to the humanity of all of her characters just brings us all closer to ourselves. That is what the grandest kind of art should do, uh, bring us all closer to our own humanity. And um, it's, she, Violet Davis is an undeniable talent. I, I, I feel the same way about my sister. I'm clearly biased, I guess, but um, but I, mean, I think the fact that she's become as successful, successful as she is, I think it's a testament to that. I mean, she's got crazy kind of, kind of obstacles. There were no trans women, you know, in as is regulars on TV shows or on covers of magazines before, my sister came along. Um, she is the the goat in that in that sense, the first and the and the and the trailblazer on, on that front. Uh, and I think it's I think it's because of her talent. I don't think it's because of um, any kind of tokenism or any kind of like you know. Uh, it's not like they're just running around trying to give all these like trans black women parts in shows. You know, we we see, we see like tens of thousands of them. If that was the case, I think it's like a talent that can can be denied. Uh, and I'm just I'm honestly for her career, I'm just excited for people to see. Just what an equipment. I mean, I think she's been nominated for Emmy Awards. So people, I think, get that she can really act, but there's so much more like to her instrument as an actor. And uh, I'm excited for the world to see more of that for her. I just think she's so brilliant. I think she's such a brilliant artist. I mean, that's the way, I mean, we're culturally very different, but we're both artists. And that's the way in which we bond most is, um, is about art, Pro the process of being an artist, like what, like the technique of being an actor, the technique of being a singer, the technique of, of, of the, 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 the mechanics of all this stuff, you know? Uh, we're obsessed with that. Uh, and we bond mostly about those kinds of, those kinds of things, the, the craft of being an artist. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited for the world to see more of, of, of what she's capable of as an artist. Are you two pretty close then? We are. We've gotten closer. We've always been really close. We've always been close. We've had difficulty, mostly because of me, because I'm, I'm, um, I'm my anti-establishment thing. Um, I think was, you know, I think we just created um, like a risk between us that were kind of unnecessary at different points. They, they were, they were never irreparable. They were just like this made up some of our like interactions difficult over time. But I mean, I, I, I've grown a lot. I think, I think we, we were able to. I think we're closer than we've ever been because I've, you know, I've just done a lot of work on myself. And, you know, I mean, I've been in therapy for, I don't know, at least 20 years, but like, it's finally started making, it's finally like, you know, um, <laughs> I've um, finally started to, um, yeah, let go of um, my anger and rage. That's all my like adolescent anger and rage. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I, my um, identity as a, as a rebel, as this rebellious sort of anti-establishment figure was, was um, you know, uh, something I was really committed to. <laughs> like I, I really didn't want to let that go. I mean, maybe it's just age as well as that, but it's also like just wanting to be happy, like, like being tired of being angry. Being angry all the time is really exhausting. Being full of rage all the time is exhausting. So luckily I've just, I just got tired and wanted to try something else. And so that really helped our relationship a lot. Uh, yeah, we're, we're wild with those, we're insane with those. Um, I think we're very, I, I'm, I'm very happy about that because I'm not close to my mother uh, at all. We don't talk. So I'm really happy that um, that um, my relationship with my sister is, is, is as wonderful as it is. I feel really wonderful about it um, right now. Um, so did she watch the show? Um, I think she, I think so. I think she watched at least the first episode. She thought it was hilarious. I mean, she... The whole thing is she thinks I'm hilarious. Like, you know, like, like she just thinks, like, yeah, the whole idea of me on a show like that is just, she thought it was hilarious. Um, like, she thought it was ridiculous. I mean, I think it's ridiculous too. Like, I mean, just that alone was a reason to do it, the absurdity of it all, besides the money. But the main reason I did it was, was I said, for the money. But, like, the absurdity of it all, like, it did delight me. Me kind of, you know, being the countercultural kind of person I am the anti-establishment person I am, being in a, in a context like that, it was hilarious. Um, yeah, she thinks I'm, like, funny. She thinks that, um, you know, um, all of my interviews were, like, funny. She's, I mean, I thought so, too, but I don't know if it, the humor landed. I don't know. Like, it's, it, part of it is just the whole thing. It's just it's ridiculous. Like, me being on a show like that is the, the whole idea of it. It's, like, completely absurd and hilarious and ridiculous. And so, yeah. Um, so I knew she watched at least the first episode, maybe. And then she watched like, you know, the episode where I was eliminated. Because I mean, you know, that, that episode ended up being mostly about her. Um, my like, sort of exit, my exit speech about her. So she definitely, that she reposted that into um, a speech. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting like foray into the mainstream. It's like very, I mean, there's something addicting about it. Like, um, I mean, the money wasn't insane amounts of money, but it's, a, it's not not insignificant the money, and then and then just the drivers. Like I mean, I see cars all the time. Like I, I, over my, most of my life is like, even though I love the stuff where I do mostly take cars, like Uber and Lyft and that sort of thing. But but the car service, the way that I mean, it's a different thing when you're in network television, the car service situation, and like the kind of hotel situations. They you know the way that you're taking care of it in a different kind of way. Than you are like doing the kind of work I do. Because uh, I mean, I'm like routinely flown places and, you know, have good games and that sort of thing, but this is like a whole other thing. And that is addicting. That's addicting. I mean, I think that like people say that it's, it's much better to not ever have money than to have money and lose it, you know? And I think that's kind of the, the experience of like having like, to be taken care of like that and to like sort of suddenly not have that is, it's not devastating. So, you know, whatever, it's not the end of the world. Um, spoiled. But yeah, you get spoiled. That's, that's it. That's it. And I can see how it, you know, people can end up sort of chasing that just to sort of maintain that kind of spoils and that kind of lifestyle. Um, I'm not chasing it, by the way. I mean, I, I mean, if if some another opportunity like that presents itself to me, then I'll, you know, I'll look into it. But I mean, I'm I'm very happy doing what I do uh, that I was doing before the show and when I continue doing my own work. I'm very happy with that. So um, that's all. Yeah, that. really is. Um, it is. I mean, if, if another TV opportunity happens, and you know, we'll look at it and see if it, you know, works with my schedule with the with the budgets, you know, with the money's like. Um, I did see an article last night on the Traders. I don't know if you watched that. It's on Peacock. I don't know what that show is. What, what is it about? So it's kind of like the Mole in a way, or like the Hustler that was on ABC for a short period of time. They it's hosted by Alan Cummings. There's I think like sixteen or twenty. Actually, Alan Cummings' boyfriend. Did uh, uh, Grant Schaefer is his name? He did an illustration to me in the New Yorker magazine in 2009 for an article that Hilton Owls wrote about the show that I was doing. So, so that's my connection. To, I, I think I met him in person. I think I met. I think I met him. But his boyfriend, I had his, you know, or husband. I think they're probably married at this point. But he did an illustration for me. Uh, or did an illustration of me, not for me, but of me that appeared in the New Yorker magazine. Anyway, fun fact. But anyway, Alan comes to the show. So uh, there's like 16 or 20 people on there half of them are reality contestants half of them are normal people and then alan chooses three people to be the traders and so the whole they're trying to make money but they're also trying to be deceitful it's a very interesting show i like wow. them all better but hey whatever but i saw an article that said that logan and lc would be really good contestants on the traders 
Wait, who would be good contestants? Logan and Elsie. So I'm I curious can... if they're gonna like reach out to anybody like from Claim to Fame and. <laughs> I mean, I think that Logan and LC are, are uniquely qualified to. I mean, I think they're great reality TV. I mean, Logan, you know, like has that jawline, you know. Um, I think all women, I think, really enjoy looking at him. Maybe some men too. Um, not my type, but um, but I think that um, some men probably really enjoy uh, looking at Logan and um, and LC is just. I mean, I immediately like the first day I talked to LC, I was just in love with her. Uh, I don't see how anyone could not be in love with LC. Um, she's just. Like she's so, her spirit is so generous and so open and so, she's just a beautiful person. Like she's just a really, 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 truly beautiful person, you know? Like she doesn't have the challenges of like, you know, me and Brittany and, you know, Michael, you know, we're like, I think we're beautiful people too, but we, it's, we're more talented. I think our personalities to sort of, I mean, I don't really see how anyone could just not fall in love with Elsie. Yeah, Elsie is just like, she's so wonderful. Um, she's just a beautiful human being. So um, yeah, I, I would love that for them. They, could be on the trade with Alan Cummings. Yeah. I Alan Cummings is a very interesting, um, he's an interesting actor. He's a very gifted, fascinating, like uh, pop culture figure. Yeah. I should I maybe I'll watch that show. I don't really watch reality TV. I like scripts and things and stories, but maybe I'll check that out. So I do I do like Alan a lot. So yeah. you, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but any fun behind the scenes stories? I mean, if you want to share about people getting drunk, that'd be great too. This is a drunk podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not drinking. I don't really drink though, so that's the. That's um, fine. That's the thing. Um, I mean, hmm. I just think. I mean, I think that the flirt. There was a level of flirtation happening between Logan and any number of the women who were. I mean, there was a you know the w- women far out a number of the men, and I think only a few of the the men were heterosexual. Like, I, I guess like Max was barely there. It was like there so briefly, and then I guess Michael's heterosexual, but I think he alienated himself from like a lot of the women in terms of romantic interest. So Logan was um kind of just. <laughs> I mean, in most of the show, it was just Logan and like the girls. It was Logan and the girls, and I think they all yeah, I think all sort of kind of had a crush on him, you know, sort of kind of. And that night when when we got really drunk, it was really, I mean, there was, I just felt like there was a lot of flirtation happening. Um, it was cute. That's all. I don't. I feel like I should say anything more than that. Um, <laughs> I think there was just a lot of flirtation happening between Logan and any number of the women in the cast. That's all. Um, it was hilarious, and there was the most. I remember Logan got really dismayed with me because he he accused me of using like really big words all the time or something. I can't remember the word. I think I was talking. I think I always like talk about. I think maybe the. Um, have heterosexuality use like I was talking about earlier, it needs to really like re- reimagine itself or something. I said something about polyamory, and I guess he hadn't heard that word before or something. But then he was like, he was giving me a hard time about like my vocabulary or something. And he felt that down to alienating. But Logan's maybe but Logan's really smart though. I mean, he's like, you know, graduated from college. Like I think he had a degree, I think it's a degree in political science or something. Logan's not like Logan's not unintelligent, but he was just giving me, and we had all oh, the the other. We actually had these like deep conversations about politics. That I mean, it's probably the best they edited those out because the uh, conversations about politics mean that I think mean that no one would have liked. You know, the people who were on either side wouldn't have um, liked. It would adamantly not like it's because the way politics work these days is so divisive. But we had, but I mean, I think I, I, I I'll say that Logan and I definitely don't are on the same side politically. But we had a very uh, reason. We had very reasonable conversations about politics that were not. Um, and I think that's important and people can't do that right now. That people cannot do. I got that, off of Facebook because so many people were hateful on both sides. And I'm just like, I can't deal with the hate anymore. I mean, I think that the fundamentally, I think that Logan and I both are coming from a place of love, though. I mean, that, that love is at the center of of, what, of our politics. I mean, that we, we, we fall where we fall is, you know, different. Uh, but that love is like. The basis of all that. So I mean, in the attempt of the fundamental humanity of all people, right? I mean that that should be honored. Some people don't think that other people who don't agree with them are human. You know, um, like it seems like that's what's going on right now. And that this just means we're in some real trouble. Yeah, like we're in real trouble. So I think that's a, that's the behind the scenes thing that did make it to television. That like we we because he's from Georgia, so we were talking about Stacey Abrams. We were talking about. Um, uh, who's like, uh, Kent, the governor of, of, of Georgia? I mean, we're talking with deep into conversations about that, and um, I mean, we we didn't we're we're more on the same side. We, we did fundamentally uh, respect and, and 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 have a reverence for you know we we found places of commonality in terms of, uh, of, 
um, where we agree on. I, I really, I really love talking about politics with Logan. Actually, it was really fun. Logan's smart. He's a smart guy. I, I think he's got a, like a really. His, I think he's. I think the world is his. He's twenty one years old. He's got that jawline. Women love him. Young women love him. Old women love him. So I mean, I don't see how. And you can you can sing. He can sing and play guitar. He's actually very talented. Um, so I don't really see how the world isn't all his. You know, it's like he could just. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he's. I feel like he's gonna blow up. I'm actually surprised he hasn't blown up yet. I kind of thought immediately he he would just like have like you know major hits on like TikTok or like or something. His fan base is rabid um, from the show. The women of the show who liked him really like him. Who <laughs> really like him. So um, you know, and I'm I'm just I'm a fan of, of Logan's friends, but I'm a fan of everyone. On the show. I really like everyone. Yeah, I like everyone. Who got the drunkest? Um, Logan. Okay. By a mile. Like not even, not even, no one else was even ever close. I mean, Lark, Lark's birthday happened during the show, and so she got pretty drunk on her birthday. Amara would be pretty drunk, but she handled, I mean, it was, un, she was like, it was, I think she was definitely really drunk because we saw her drinking a lot of alcohol, but she handled it really well. Logan, I mean, he's kind of, I mean, Logan could drink too, but like, yeah, it was Logan by a mile. Though. I think he was he was absolutely the first the drunkest. Uh, I think it's sort of like where he had, he's sort of like was a guy who can't I can't do that anymore. I think he ended up doing it, but I think he it was so bad that I think he professed that he couldn't do it anymore drinking because it was gonna like throw him off and he wouldn't get found out or whatever. But I think he ended up doing it again. But yeah, I think unquestionably, I think I think most people would agree that Logan was the most. I mean, Logan really likes to drink. I mean, he's like he's, he's like. I mean, I think, you, you know, if you're going to be a, an artist, a country artist, you've got to, like, really live it, you know? I think he's really, truly living it. You know, he's not, like, there's no kayfabe. If you're, if you're like, a professional wrestling, that's the term from wrestling. We're just faking it, basically. It's, like, the pretend world of wrestling, you know, the kayfabe. He's not kayfabing it. He's, like, living that life, that whiskey life. Um, what was the conversation like after Maxwell got kicked off the show? <laughs> Everyone was sad. I mean, everyone really liked him. I mean, especially, I mean, Max and I especially really bonded. Um, like, we still, I mean, we just texted with each other, like, last night. Like, you sent me a text about something last night. Um, I think everyone was really sad. I mean, everyone thought it was stupid, you know, um, that he would do that. But everyone, people really liked him. I mean, he's, like, he's really, he was, he's adorable. He was, like, a total sweetheart. Uh, Max is a total sweetheart, you know. Uh, so, I think, I think, I mean, I think, I mean, I still think it was really sad. I think most of us were, were like, really sort of sad. I mean, we, you know, we knew we People had to be eliminated. I mean, but we thought that was just not the way. You know, he should have been eliminated like that. Uh, I think we were all really sad about it. And I mean, he at that point he was the person I really had, had related to the most. Um, like I, I it just kind of felt like a connection with him that I didn't feel with anyone else at the time. But so maybe it was with the best few left because I didn't actually. Then like me and Dominic really like bonded after that. Um, so maybe you know maybe we, we would have bonded in the same way. You know, clicks form in these things. Uh, I don't know if Max and I would have been a click, but we definitely um, really liked one another and um, really felt uh, kindred spirit. You know? So, um, yeah, it was mostly just like sad. We were just sad. It was shocking for, well, at least for me watching the show. It's pretty shocking. Hilarious, too. I mean, it was like the way he was trying to hide the phone. Like, <laughs> Under the covers. I was, yeah, I was like, Max, like, what are you, are you doing? It's so, you know, they're cameras, right? I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Also, they searched all of our stuff, like, before we went to the house. They went through, I mean, like, they went through every piece of luggage, every, like, like with a fine tooth comb. I mean, they, was, they wanted to make sure we weren't making drugs in the house or phones or, you know, any kind of thing that would give us an advantage. So I'm like, where was he? So my big question is, where were you hiding this phone, Max? You know, like, you ask him that? You can text him and ask him because I'm curious now. Yeah, I know. I actually I, we texted about so many things, but I didn't ask him that. I I did comment on it in the in my interview after he. I don't think probably it's it Disney, so I'm sure that's probably why they edited it out. But I'm like, where was that phone hiding? This <laughs> was my question. Where are you hiding this phone? Because um, ultimately we would have to have a charger with them too. So like you know, like they would have probably confiscated the charger too. You know, like so. I mean, it really were like. I thought very diligent about making sure we didn't have phones, we didn't have like, you know, illicit substances of any kind. So, um, yeah, that is the question, where were you hiding that phone? There's only a few places really. <laughs> I, they did not cavity search me. Uh, so was, <laughs> I just thought it was odd that they didn't invite him back for the final episode. Well, I mean, because he was disqualified. I mean, he was just sort of like... I mean, yes, but like, 
he was still part of the show. Like, oh. wasn't gonna, I mean, there was nothing to do. He just could, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think they take it because of there's so much money involved in the rules. I think it's a, it becomes a legal thing at that point. Like, I, I, gotcha. they, before every challenge, a lawyer would come uh, and sort of give an, you know, give a kind of a disclaimer and explanation uh, before each challenge. I mean, they were, it was very much because I mean, it, it needed to all be fair. Uh, it needed to be like I think they were just also protecting themselves. They didn't want to be able to sue by any contestant or anything. So they, like lawyers were very much a part of um, of every challenge we did. And I think it was just like, it just it was just such, such a breach of what the rules were. Um, and I think they just felt like they needed to like, you know, excommunicate him from from the cast. Um, I mean, I think it's sad. I would have loved to have seen him, you know, in the last episode, but um, I get it. Um, just because of like the extent to which lawyers were like all over everything. And he, you know, was just a major rule breaker. Because they have to, I mean, they have to take that stuff seriously because there's so much money involved, you know, and they're so, yeah. um, they have to be really serious about that stuff. So, yeah. Um, I just but, finished rewatching the entire season again this weekend. And I'm curious. <laughs> I thought it was odd at the beginning, but I'm rewatching them. Did it feel weird that there were only like 20 people in the theater for the talent show? Um, I mean, I was shocked anyone was there, honestly. I mean, for the talent show. I mean, I, I mean, no. I, I mean, I, I honestly didn't think about it. Like, I didn't think about it really. The, the number of people there. I thought. I mean, my my main thing was I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's so humiliating. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, that was. I think that was my overwhelming feeling about having to do that talent show. Uh, that was utterly humiliating. Um, like, the, the audience was going to determine. Like, I just was like, I, why am I subjecting myself to this? Like, I would never in my actual life subject myself to such a thing. So um yeah, that was my overwhelming. So I mean I was just kind of overwhelmed with that. And then I then I had this like after the whole thing happened because I was in the top three. The, the the show didn't show that, but like it was kind of like we had we had to do like a um like there was like a it was me, Logan and um Brittany uh, who were in the top three and there was like, they kept doing like this like having the uh, us clap again, having the audience clap again for us three. It happened like two or three times before they, they realized it was Brittany was the winner or whatever. But I had this like super fan. I mean, like Logan, because Logan had a super fan. This woman who was like st- standing up in her chair screaming, just like, you know, <laughs> obviously a woman, you know, yeah. Anyway, Logan had a super fan. But then I had this like, there was a black dude in the audience who was like screaming and like losing his mind over me. So um, that was nice. So because I was, I mean, mostly thinking this is the most humiliating thing I could ever of my life like why am i subjecting myself to this and then there was this like rabbit fan that i had who was like really super excited about what i did so um yeah i mean i wasn't thinking about the number of people in the audience at all but um i was just thinking about yeah those how horrible horrible this is and then oh wow this guy really like is going hard to paint for me he was like ironically sitting next to maybe he came with the woman who was logan super fan like they were like sitting next to each other, so she would just jump on her chair for Logan, and he jumped on his chair and screamed for me. Um, it's cute, and I mean the other, the other. I mean, I'm a really competitive person, so that was also the difficulty of doing a competition show because I am, I do like to win. Yeah, what I do, that's why I do. I don't play a lot of games because like there's always a learning curve in games. You know, I just don't. I can't handle losing that much to get good at a thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like that. But it's my it's like that challenge I won. I won the second episode of the challenge, and it was um. I think I was close to it. Was I was like, you know, I I I, I hate losing more than I love my name. She would say, and I feel the same way. So yeah. So I mean, I think that like the, my my competitive side made me um happy that like okay, Logan, you got your super fan. Well, I got my super fan too. Um, the competitive thing, but they, you know, art is such a you can't. Anyway, just, art isn't. To me, it doesn't exist in the realm of that stuff. It's like about other things, you know, art. Um, it's about profound experience and bringing, you know, someone into to that. Um, yeah. Anyway. I'm curious if Brittany took her painting home. If Brittany what? If Brittany took her painting home. Um, I would imagine she did. I actually have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, I really thought Brittany was like a piece of major competition for me initially. Um, and then I also felt like she was conspiring against me in the background, but it, you know, we I mean, was to some extent, but it was more, it was more Lark. Lark is the one who actually eliminated me. So um, that was like, I didn't see that coming, which is brilliant. Um, 
the part of Lark. Oh, she, I mean, that was, when I was being eliminated, I was like, God, I was sicking. This woman was about to eliminate me. She's so beautiful. Like, I just kind of couldn't even look at her because she's so gorgeous. Like, I mean, you know, you couldn't be mad. I mean, you know, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be upset about it. You know? So she's so nice. And then she's gorgeous. I mean, you know, and she's saying they're being like a sweet person and being so gorgeous. Like, how could I, you know, how could I be mad? So who do you talk to the most out of the other contestants? Um, you mean now, Max? Definitely Max. Um, yeah, we have a lot. Strangely, I mean, we're very different in age, but we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, Max, for sure. And then probably Dominic after that. Yeah, Max and Dominic. But I've like, talked to everyone. I've talked to everyone. So, but, you know, some people more than, yeah, obviously some more than others. And yeah, definitely Max, for sure. Yeah. And I just, I, yeah, I just love everybody. I mean, like Dominic has a new show on Fox Soul. I'm really excited for her new show um, with her sister. But yeah, I just, yeah, I just loved everybody. They're great. The performance really great. Uh, Dominic is really, like, I really felt a deep connection with her. Um, like, when I was in the house, like, I felt deeply connected to her. It was beautiful. Like, I, yeah, I just, I thought, I thought, thought what was happening between us was really beautiful. And that was happening between me and most people, but it was beautiful and surprising, you know? The connections were, um, it's such a unique experience, you know, like you and right. the, had that experience, you know? I mean, because uh, any other reality TV show cast is going to be different, you know? Um, so it's not like I would have this, like, connection with everyone who's been on a reality TV show, but that, that particular cast, you know, I feel like there's a bond for life, you know, which is nice. Do you feel like because you were the oldest player up there, did that play a factor into anything? Um, I mean, I think um, it probably just, I mean, I think that it allowed me to, to be, you know, to not crack up, like, under the emotional pressure of the whole thing. Like, when I think I was, you know, I think my maturity was an advantage, uh, even though I didn't last as long as I would have liked. Um, I think that, I think it was, that was really the only thing. I don't, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think age was a factor. It's been hilarious that one of the things like Max says news was like, oh, I don't think anyone over 30 would do very well in this game. I, I think I think we have an excuse. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't tell anybody how old I was, but like people were just assuming that I was, you know, like LC kept saying, you're 28. I, I, I think you're 28. I was like, okay. Max was like, you know, they were just kind of going with this whole thing. So I'm like, okay, sure. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, you know, if we were trying to conceal who we were, I mean, I wasn't volunteering any information really about myself. But, um, I think that was funny, but I don't, honestly, I don't think that um, I don't think age is like a thing. I don't think I don't I don't think it's really a thing for a show like this. I really don't think it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there a way you can imagine it being an issue? Well, like being... no, but I'm thinking of other other reality shows. I feel like when people are older, sometimes it is an issue because there's such a big age gap. But you know, yeah. I mean, the person I got along with the best was like. I mean, Logan was the youngest, youngest person, but like Max is only like, I don't know, a few months older than, I mean, Max is like 21 or 22. So he was the person I like got along with the best and like connected to the most. So um, yeah, for me it was, but I'm not like, I don't, I mean, some older people think that like, um, they're like, I don't know, like they're superior or they have some kind of, they have some life, something or other that young people don't. I've never felt that way about myself. You know, I've never thought like, um, you know, like um, so much more mature than some kid or something. You know, like I've just, just never been my mentality. So, I mean, I can see that being an issue if you're like, oh, he's like, if you're like a older person who like these kids don't know anything kind of person. But yeah, I've never, I'm, I've never thought that. You know, I would be betraying myself when I was younger if I thought that. You know, but I thought I knew everything. Nineteen, twenty. You know, <laughs> uh, and I, but I was obviously wrong, but. You know, but I think you're supposed to think that when you're 19. You know what I mean? It's like, no, that's what being young is about. It's about wanting to change things. It's about, you know, it's kind of radical becoming of yourself. So, yeah, I don't, so for me, not so much. Like, I've always related to people, like, I mean, I can't, it's hard for me to relate to people who are, like, I guess, older and, like, um, kind of, like, with families and who are kind of some, somewhat provincial. Like, that's always been, like, a... A, more of a stretch for me than like relating to someone who's like you know has a youthful kind of wide-eyed optimism or something because um i still feel like i have kind of almost a youthful wide-eyed optimism about but about my own life especially but about you know what's possible for me in the world like, i still feel like i'm just getting started like i sort of feel like my life is just beginning you know in a yeah. way and i've always felt that way and i've always i feel like i'm always reinventing myself so yeah i don't yeah for me i don't think it was an issue i mean i don't and and I, I think I did tell everyone how old I was 
like when I knew I was being eliminated and they, they were like, why, why? So it's just like shocked, uh, which is nice. I guess, I don't know. I mean, in our ages world, I guess it's nice to like not look your age if you're 50. I guess that's nice, I don't know. I, think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with 50 either. There's like, you know, um, God, I mean, I really, I had no desire to be 21 again or 20 or 30 or 35. I mean, I really had no desire to be, like I really like myself more than I ever have now. Um, I mean, I'm really just sort of like getting over all my childhood bullshit now. You know, I mean, like it's just really happened in the last like two years, you know? It's just great to be me right now. Like it really is. It's like, I'm in this like fa fabulous relationship with my boyfriend. Like I'm in a great place with my work. Like I really know who I am, you know? Um, in a way that I just didn't before. Like I, I, I'm thrilled, you know. But I'm also not. But I'm not also that arrogant about it. You know, I'm just like you know, like it's a privilege to get older. I mean, the alternative is you know, right. Um, you know, so I'm like I, I. It's great. I love. I love it. Like I love every. I mean, I really do love everything about my life right now. I really do more than I ever have before. It's great. I'm really. I, I'm very lucky to feel that way. Like I, I guess I. I'm, I never want to be like I, I, a lot of like. Gay men too, uh, queer men, sort of like long for the, their youthful bodies or something, you know, in the in the, in the marketplace, the meat meat market that is like, you know, sort of gay pickup culture. And I just, I, I remember there was this guy who was like, I guess my age, he was like thirty two or thirty three or something, and he was like lamenting the the his twenty one year old body or something in the marketplace of sexual encounters, and I thought that was just so sad, you know, like I just don't want to be. I don't want that to be me, you know, I don't want to be nostalgic for like my youth, you know, because um, I mean, it wasn't great, honestly, you know, my life was like, my life is much better now than it was when I was like in my 20s. It's like so much better, like in every way, you know, like it's, it's, there's no, there's nothing like I'm having better sex now, I'm more desired by like more men now, I mean, it, you know, as far as like all that whole thing goes, um, I just like myself more now, I'm more comfortable in my skin now. Um, I have a real voice as an artist that I didn't have, that I could only have dreamed about when I was 20, you know? Like you have to make art for a while to like have, like to really have your own voice. And I've been making art for a while now and I have my own voice and I'm really, really proud of what that voice is. So um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing I would, I would um, trade for this moment right now in my life, nothing. Um, there's no other time in my, in my walking this earth that is better than this time. None. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that could be a thing that I'm like, I, I get like, because I have friends, I don't have that many friends my age, but I have a few who are very, like, you know, like kind of arrogant about their age or something, or like, like relative to like younger people. And that seems misguided to me. That seems misguided. Like, I don't think that's like, I don't think it's accurate or correct. You know, um, this knowledge, this base of knowledge they seem to have over, you know. I think they did. I mean, I think that people often need a way to feel superior about themselves or to feel better about. They need ways to feel better about themselves, and so um, feeling like they're sort of maybe over someone who's younger, or have some over someone who's younger, is maybe um, a way to do that. Um, and I don't need. I don't. I don't. I genuinely don't feel that way. I don't think. I, I don't think I need that in my life. I do feel better about myself now than I did when I was younger, but that doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone who's like. 20 or 21 or 30 or you know it's just everyone's journey is different okay i just try to keep keep focus on my journey you know like my particular path i want to focus on that and not like you know what other people my age or younger are doing or how their careers are going or you know like oh yeah well you know it's only useful for me to like focus on myself and like being able to live with myself like myself love myself and what's going on with my work and, you know, my exercising enough and my meditating enough and my, like, being um, diligent in therapy and my, like, you know, so, you know, really using it for what it what it's there for to process my experiences, you know. You know, that, you know, that's a lot of work, you know, like, just to do all those things. I can't really worry about, like, you know, if I'm, like, so much, like, wiser than those kids over there or something. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I imagine that's the way I can. That's the only way I can imagine age playing itself out in a show like this. You know, uh, unless like unless you like people know how how old you are. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like people were. I feel like I watched Celebrity Apprentice when Vivica A. Fox was on or something, and I feel like someone was like age shaming her or something. 
I feel like maybe. So uh, I'm saying so. I feel like that happened in that show. So, I mean, like, there's that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, where people try to age shame you or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, that didn't, I mean, I was passing for something, someone much younger, so that didn't happen to me. So, or not. I guess if I wasn't passing, maybe it'd be different. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it helps if you're like 50, you look like me, you know? Uh, People that I just said that people are gonna hate me for saying that, but you know, it doesn't hurt. I, I, I mean, maybe I look fifty. I don't know. Man. I am fifty years old. I feel like I never look better than I have any other point in my life. I feel like I look really, like I feel like I like my body more, like my my skin more. I, mean, I actually take care of my skin. Like, I actually like wash makeup off my face at night, which I didn't do. Right, so I started doing that five years ago. Yeah, I'm just like taking care of myself. It's nice to take care of yourself. I got you know those black people jeans, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think some people, I think some people like hit a certain kind of like, like I was talking to my sister about this. Some people hit like their their stride in their, in like in their fifties. Like they just like they just like glow up in some way. I mean, like there some people, you know, like you know, not many people. Some people, I, think, I don't know. I feel like I'm just hitting some stride in my life where like, you know, um, like I just feel like anything's possible now. Anything, I just feel like the world is mine. You know. Uh, and I didn't always feel that way, but I feel like that right now. I really do. I feel like it's like it's on, you know. Um, like I just feel so excited about like life. I though I'm, I just I, I'm also this might be the first time in my life I'm not in some sort of depressive spiral. Like I mean, you know, part of the thing about being goth is it's it is it's a statistization of uh, chronic depression. I think partially, you know, the statistization of you know chronic depression. And um, this is the first time in my life I haven't really been suffering with intense depression too so maybe that's like i'm just happy you know um for the yeah. first time like just happy and joyful and prioritizing that and like having that be a goal like i mean i want i have my goals to be you know happy uh i used to always like i'd be on the phone with the burn years ago and i'd be like she's like i just want you to be happy but happy this isn't the goal uh i said to her uh, and, she, and i said that to her the other day she's like do you remember what you said she's like oh yeah i remember you saying that <laughs> and it is the goal now um it is I was definitely a difficult person to love, I think, back then. Uh, maybe easier to love now, because I'm not so, so doomed. Um, I was very doomsday back then. I mean, all of the world now is going to be closer to a kind of like kind of apocalypse now than it was there. <laughs> but I'm happy. I couldn't be happier. Um, horrible things are going on, but I'm, I'm personally doing really well. Good. Um, so you're a composer, an artist, mm -hmm. a sculptor, correct? I compose music, I sing, I play piano, and I do I do visual art. I got my degree in in, um, in undergraduate degree in painting and sculpture, and I went to to Yale for one year in the sculpture department before so I what, dropped it. Yeah, why did you yeah. drop out? Um, I hated Yale and I hated the art world, and I I wanted to focus more on music, and and I, my focus there was really on, on making things like objects, sculptural things, and I wanted I wanted to get more intense with like study. I wanted like to train. I wanted I wanted that to be my full-time kind of my gig was was music. Uh, I wanted to like sing theory, I wanted to sing piano, I wanted to sing tons of voice lessons. Um I wanted that to be the thing I was doing. So um and I just and I hated Yale too. I just hated there. Um and I was leaving, I was like I'd be in Yale for like three days a week, Monday through maybe Wednesday, and then the, I'd come to New York and then I was doing perform I was performing. Um and the role of like performing in New York was much more uh, seductive to me than like being in Yale, like like dealing with like all the kind of like careerism of the art world. Like I just I was it was never very interesting to me. Um, and people were very it was a very careerist place. You know, I was I told people in the program I was in that I was going to leave. They're like, you can't leave your golden ticket. They were just insisting that it was the worst thing I could have done is through that program, and that even solidified more why I should leave. Like people just sort of believing that. This is a grand opportunity. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it is. I don't know. I don't haven't heard of any of the people in my program since then. Um, maybe they're doing really well in the art world. I don't know. I'm, I don't follow that closely. What's going on? The minutiae of the art world. At least, I mean, I'm sort of kind of in the art world. I mean, I do a lot of work. A lot of the performances I do end up being in the art world. I, I've done a few exhibitions uh, in the last like, ten years. Um, so some of what I do, I mean, I ended up sort of back in the art world because the music I make is more art music than anything else. It's more kind of the artsy side of things, and so it makes more more sense sometimes in the art world. Um, where like this big piece I did was a, we did this metro using bar, 
in um, 2019. Um, so, I mean, I'm sort of still in the art world, sort of, kind of, but I'm kind of not, I kind of not though. I mean, I'm kind of, a, that's the thing about it. I sort of feel like I was on a reality show, but I kind of wasn't. Like I sort of like, even though I mean, technically I was on a reality show, I kind of feel like I wasn't, like my, my presence didn't be fully grasped on a reality show. And I feel like my presence in the art world can't be fully grasped and my presence in the music world can't be fully grasped. Like I sort of feel like I'm, more of a specter everywhere. Like I'm sort of a ghost, like sort of haunting various um, contexts in which I exist but don't exist. And um, I like that. I think it's fun. Because I have a lot of mobility. Like I have a lot of, like I can be kind of everywhere but nowhere at all. And I like that. I, 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 um, I can operate in the art world. I can like play in like, you know, basements where people like do punk shows or noise shows and metal shows. Like, I mean, my life is like, so, you know, there's somewhere between like concert halls where I do my work, uh, recital halls or like museums, and then like, you know, DIY basements or like rock clubs. There's like a metal club called St. Vitus here where like a lot of metal bands play and I've played there like three times. So I kind of love that about my life, like my, my career. It's a very, um, even though like the genre of music I, I make is, it, it's, is its own thing, it's somehow mutable to lots of different contexts. Um, like I can exist in lots of different places. Um, and I like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's a, I, I like this weird career I have. Like I was after playing to fame like last April, I, I did a European tour uh, where I played like seven, seven cities. And, um, that was really fun. And then I just did like, I'm working on a new piece with these musicians in San Francisco. So I like was there for like, all of last week. And then I played a show last week that was sort of separate from the piece we're working on. Yeah, I, I love my life. Like I love that I can like sort of run around the world like playing shows and making music or showing films or I'm gonna be in this exhibition in Canada like later this year, like a video that I made. It's gonna be an exhibition in Canada. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a lovely life. Um I like it. It's weird. Like, I think it, I think it's not doesn't make any sense to I think a lot of people think they don't understand what it is that I do. Um, like my other castmates, I think it's fine. I think they don't understand that I do anything, really. I think that, that it's like incomprehensible, whatever it is that I do, because it's not like consumable within like a capitalist like framework, you know, uh, within the market forces. So I, but I love that. I love, I love my life. I love that I can exist and not exist at the same time. It's a privilege. Okay. Well, I have two questions before you go, because it's we I have kept you a while. <laughs> Are there any jam sessions going on in the house? Um, there was one night when we all started like because Dominic is a singer too and, and we all kind of started singing. We were like sing, I, I feel like I was singing like sort of songs I sang in church. Uh, and then Dominic kind of started singing along. And I think at, when I, after I left the house, I think there were maybe more jam sessions that were going on. Um, but not nothing ever happened to me and Logan. Me and Logan, maybe, which I guess would be more logical or something. Or I mean, Michael. Michael's also a music producer. That didn't happen while while we were there. But um, there was one night when we were uh, in the kitchen singing, like gospel songs, something mostly. That was really fun. Um, yeah. The show needs to release the DVD with with the deleted footage. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's it's endless. I mean, I think that this. I mean, it's like what, like twenty four hours a day. I mean, that's like it's endless. The footage is endless. I mean, there was some fun things, like, I, like there was, um, I, I think there the, the were more cameras in the bathroom, but like the, after Michael was eliminated, like I was doing like naked jumping jacks in my room. But I mean, but I was in the bathroom, just there were no cameras there, but like, you know, like they're, they're fun. Yeah, I, mean, I would imagine there'd be lots of entertaining outtakes. I mean, I think some hilarious stuff happened. I mean, some, some of the conversations Michael and I had were hilarious. Um, yeah, just that funny stuff. Some funny stuff I like, think made it to the television, like my like, I diabolical laugh, like made it to the television. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. It was good times. And I mean, I'm just really happy that I didn't like lose my mind and like you know, mentally. A lot of people that happens to them in that kind of like um, context. So I'm happy that I, you know, kept my cool. Was right. Well, and and that's kind of my last question. Was it nice? Was it a nice break? mental break for not having your phone, not having a TV, not having a laptop, not having like any electronic device to. I mean, it's like definitely serious, like withdrawal. I mean, there's a like serious kind of like, like you're fiending, like a heroin act or something. I mean, seriously, I mean, I think we're all addicted to our phones. And so that definitely happened initially. But, um, but what I found, I was so looking forward to it. I, I was my boyfriend. Like I, I 
typically talk to my boyfriend every day, like the last like you know, 18 and a half, almost 19 years, we, we talk every day. So not being able to talk to him. And actually Vern, like Vern said, it was torture because whenever she's having like some kind of a dilemma, I mean, I used to be taking granted because she could just call me, you know. Um, she was, he, even more than my boyfriend was believed that she could just like call me. But what was crazy though is that, I, you know, like I'm like on social media like every day or whatever, I hadn't missed anything, you know. Um, that was what was like, so I, like it was like nothing had happened, you know, it was like the same thing. I hadn't missed anything, like being off of all that stuff. So it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a pointless distraction. Um, our phones and the internet, uh, for sure. But I think being on the show like that, it brought that back to home. Because when I was back to my phone, I was like, "Oh yeah, nothing's happening here." Like, what's what? What was I like so anxious to get back to? I mean, you know, certainly being able to literally talk to my boyfriend and my sister um, and other good friends was, was is, is you know it's lovely. It's life sustaining. Like the relationships you have in your life, you know, it's like the very important things. So the most important thing in your life, the people. And so being out of touch with them is, is hard, but um. I think it was really good though. I think it was really good not to have that for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Character building. Yeah. I should I just I shouldn't do that more. I should just like impose that on myself. Like Yeah. Those character. Oh good. All right. Well, tell everyone else to come on the podcast. <laughs> I will. I will. Oh, so yeah, I did this podcast that my pepper did. It was fun. Everyone should do it. Everyone's people are busy. I mean, I know Max is super busy. He's like doing like he's he's I can't tell you actually he's doing he's very busy. Dominic's very everyone's you know people I talk to the most they're very busy right now. So and Max um, lives in Denton, correct? Denton, Texas, yes. Okay. Yes. I, yeah my niece lives there. Oh, wow. Do they know each other? Do they go to college together or something? I don't, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah he's Max is a sweetheart. It's a total sweetheart. Love him. Um he's involved in like well because Denton is very art and music based very art music based and very leftist from what i understand which is unusual in texas uh like politically very left left from what i understand uh then i don't know if you has that experience of it but um it seems like an anomaly in texas from what i understand i don't know she's in a band called nip slip oh i think i know her band i think i i feel like i feel like max and i were talking about i feel like he must know that band i think i feel like I mean, I have to look it up. I think there's a connection. I think I, I just, I sound so familiar. I feel like there's a conversation we had in, there in Denton. Yeah. Does she play something? Does she sing? Like, what is she? She's a singer, the lead singer. Yeah, band culture. All my friends are in bands. All my best friends in New York are band people. Um, musicians are my favorite people um, to hang out with and to, like, you know, bond with. Yeah, music, music is everything to me. Everything to me. Yeah. Well, say hi to your niece for me. Um, and in Texas, I think I may have, I may have heard her band. I think so. Nip slip. Her nips aren't slipping out, are they? Um, There's no telling. She's. <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't seen her perform. Well, I haven't seen her perform since she's been in that band. Well, she may not be willing to let her nips slip in front of family members. Um, it's always weird when you're. I used to be half naked in my band, my old band. I would be like, I just wear like a leather g string or something. You know, it's like weird with your family. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. like my mother follows me on Instagram, and like anyway, like I just I'm have I, I there's a lot of me shirtless on Instagram, like I'm posting a lot. It's weird to see it, or like my bulging on my pants and stuff. Like it's weird for your, you know, your parents to see that stuff, you know. All right. So well, on on that note. <laughs> that note. Um, it was thank lovely. To, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Um, come back anytime. Yeah, no, this was fun. We should, I have, I strangely watched a lot of television, so we can talk about another show at some point, too. Uh, do you talk about shows that aren't on the air anymore? Because, I mean, like, I had this, like, love affair with Breaking Bad. Like, I don't, I think I'm, maybe I'm over Breaking Bad because I think at this point it's maybe really dated or something, but it's one of my favorite shows of all time, really. And then Better Call Saul was phenomenal. I don't know if you watched either of those shows. I, okay, I loved Breaking Bad. I actually like Weeds better, but I had okay. watched Weeds first, and that I think that came out first, too. But I'm also a fan of Mary Louise Parker. I have not watched Better Call Saul yet. I've been I've been worried about watching it. I don't know why. It's a genius show. I think I like it in some ways better than um, Breaking Bad. Actually, in some ways, there's something about like there's there's um Saul's brother in in this like the the storyline develops between the brother and Saul is so good and his girlfriend 
And then Mike, you know, Mike from Breaking Bad, you know, the uh, enforcer, Gus Green's enforcer. Gus Green is just, is one of my favorite characters on television of all time. I mean, I love Gus Green. Gus Green is like, and he's very much a part of uh, Better Call Saul as well. It's worth watching just for Gus and Mike, honestly. Gus is like, because we get more of his backstory. It is more, it's clear, I think, in Better Call Saul that, that Gus is gay. And that like the person, the, the his party that was killed was his gay lover. I mean, but yeah, Better Call Saul is, is, is a pretty genius television. Um, actually, the pacing of it, this, this, the photography, it's beautifully shot. It's a beautifully shot show. Yeah, and it's really fantastic. Um, I recommend it highly. Maybe, maybe watch a few episodes and we'll, talk, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Um, Breaking Bad, though, I mean, one of the things about Breaking Bad that I, I always have to say is that it's really a show about patriarchy, about these these two. It's really about um, uh, Mike, or, or wait, wait, what's his, his, his brother-in-law's name? Hank. It's really about Hank and Walt and this sort of like this, 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 this different patriarchal path. Like Walt is this sort of failed scientist who isn't, you know, uh, actualizing his patriarchal like possibility, you know, who's failing in patriarchy when we sort of begin the show. And uh, Hank is this like you know cop, this like sort of pillar of patriarchy or whatever. And then the the, the roles reverse as the show progresses, and it becomes more about like how Hank is failing at becoming this like patriarch, you know, or being fulfilling his patriarchal potential. Where Walt is excelling in that, a patriarchy means you know killing, robbing, being dishonest, and making lots of money, and you know being like a working being, which is kind of what patriarchy. That's how it's represented in. in um, in television and film and cinema, that patriarchy is this like monster. You have to be this sort of horrible human being of a man, a predator, all these things that Walt becomes. Uh, and it becomes this sort of story about like these two diverging paths of masculinity, I think, which is just so, I mean, yeah, I know Matt does all this, but in terms of the sort of the, the bigger plot with the whole thing, I think that's really interesting. Um, very bad. Anyway, yeah, if you want to get into the bigger themes of these shows, because I'm, I'm all, all about the bigger kinds of sort of messaging that's going on. The, the super text, super objectives you know, um, of these shows. Anyway, we have a lovely rest of your day. What is it, Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. I, although, who knows when this is going to come out? But, um, but um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that sort of thing. So, we're filming this on a Monday. It's a Monday after Grammys. It is. Hopefully, this will be out next Tuesday. Fun. Uh, fun. I can't wait. Um, I'll tell people to go listen. And if you, since you are a big TV fan, I go to a TV festival every year in Austin. When is that TV festival? Um, this year, I think it's June 1st through, hold on, I'll look. I don't watch everything. I'm really selective about what I watch. Like I, um, like I haven't seen Weeds, by the way, and I have no interest in ever watching it. Uh, or have Met Your Mother. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I just refuse to watch. So, I mean, I think true TV people, they try to watch everything and have some kind of like take on everything. I just watch very selective things. Like I don't, I really watch, yeah, I don't really watch reality TV and I've never seen any Housewife, anything. So, I mean, I, I have, but I, there are particular shows I, I'm very interested in and for very particular reasons. Succession, I love Succession. I think that's one of the best shows on television. And I loved actually White Lotus, especially the first season. The second season of White Lotus was really fun too, though. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Coolidge is, is a national treasure, I think. But I think her, she really solidified herself as a gay icon in White Lotus. Not that she needed to be anymore, but really, truly. <laughs> Okay, icon for the ages. Um, to the cool. So yeah. Anyway, I should. I, I feel like I should let you go because I just keep talking. So I'll read- <laughs> um, the festival is June first through the fourth, but you can also watch it online too. Brilliant. Maybe I'll do some of that. Uh, I love analysis. I mean, I think the, I think the thing I love about narrative the most is how you can analyze it, and, and it and it says so much about our culture, says so much about social and cultural dynamics, political dynamics. Um, so, I mean, television ends up being a, a universal way of, like, of engaging in analysis that can reach lots of people. So maybe I love it more. I mean, I guess I like cheap entertainment. Like, I like, I just watched, like, Angel, that, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. So, I just rewatched that because, you know, it's sort of, like, silly and goth, sort of. Um, so, I mean, that was, that, there's no analysis. I mean, there's analysis that I have that's deep. All the analysis that I have about Angel is deeply problematic. It's a deeply problematic sexist deeply sexist show somewhat racist show but um was, I, you know i was just watching it for fun you know we were watching it for fun so um so yeah not everything's about analysis but for me i think mostly it's about the analysis i love analysis i love like you know being analytical about things uh so yeah tv is a great chance to do that and pop culture in general analyzing what what's popular why and what it says about our culture where it says about where we are politically in terms of representations of race and gender in class love that show.
Anyway, will you enjoy the rest of your Monday, Lee? You too. All and right. let's begin. I had, I had a blast. Um, okay, I'm going to log off. Okay. Well, thank you. Bye.